1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and
0: delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This month, we wanted to take a break
2: from creating new bonus episodes to share with you one of our favorite bonus episodes. In January, we spoke with Jer about the state of music and ska right now, and, uh, many of our Patreon subscribers told us that it was an excellent discussion and that they felt that everyone should have the opportunity to listen to it. So we're honoring that request. We're making the entire episode available to you. And I encourage you to sign up to the Patreon if you like this type of content and would like to hear more of it. All you need to do is go to our Patreon, which is uh backslash in defense of Ska, We do monthly bonus episodes, and every week we do extended interviews and commentary, as well as getting those episodes early. You get them four days before everybody else does. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. Before we get deep into this Scott conversation, let's. Uh, I, want, I just want to know what's going on with with you, Jer. How, how are you been?
0: I've been good. I've been chilling. Uh, really busy over the last like you know year, but right now I'm in a in a moment of peace, and I get to just kind of like relax and get my life together. And uh, relax isn't the right word because I'm still busy, but not as busy as being <laughs> on the road all the time.
2: So you had just gotten back from tour or something recently, right?
0: Yeah, kind of like a, a combination of a lot of things. Uh, I teach drum corps now um, and on top of marching band and indoor percussion. So I'm teaching a lot. I had a lot of audition camps uh, that I was working over like the last basically five weekends before I left uh, to go to the West Coast to do a weekend with We Are the Union and then the Fishbone Tour. With Jair and then I came home for the holidays, and then we did magfest, so truly, like every weekend since like two weekends before fest, which was like basically the beginning of October, I've been busy like every weekend.
1: I didn't even realize Let's you were see. doing mad magfest until you were doing it. I didn't see you talk about it at all.
0: I posted about it like not as much as other things I was doing because sure. magfest is kind of one of those things where it's like no one just impulsively decides to go to MagFest because they saw an Instagram post of an artist that's playing, you know, it's For sure. just like one of those festivals where it's like they have their built-in crowd of 50,000 people that attend. So like, right. you know, it's it's going to be a good time regardless. And I made some posts about it, but you know, the algorithm also loves to bury posts about me doing live shows. And since I didn't like push that one as hard, uh, a lot of people just kind of didn't even see that. Yeah.
2: Uh, I did I did see some footage of uh, what I think was your opening song for that set. Yeah. What was that song? Uh,
0: 1985.
2: <laughs> oh, why you, yeah. Why you... uh, any reason why you played that song?
0: <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> because we were... Well, <laughs> well one, uh 2 Network was cool enough to play MAGFest. Um, but two, I've had this joke I've wanted to do forever, where when it gets to the stop of the song we stop and then we play the whole set and then end the set with we are to network. Thank you. Good night. And bring back Springsteen, Madonna, and then finish the song. So the whole set is really just like a long 40 minute bit. Uh, that, and like, that's the only reason why that song really truly made it into the set list.
2: <laughs> there, there isn't another reason then
0: <laughs> <laughs> there could, are, if it creates some controversy that gets me some reach, then maybe okay. there could be another reason. <laughs>
2: Alright, alright. <laughs> <laughs> so um you when you were uh, not when you were before you got home, you, you had you tweeted that uh when you get home you're gonna you're gonna straight up write a hip hop song. Oh yeah. And record it. Did it happen?
0: Uh so actually before I even left, I recorded vocals for a said hip hop song uh because uh Eichler's produced the beat. And I just wanted to like demo out the vocals because like typically when I demo something and sit on it, it allows me to get a better performance on the final recording. So I was like, if I do this before I leave, then it'll be like in my head for a few weeks. And when I come back, I can like make alterations and stuff like that. So the song is written. I just need to record the vocals, which I'm probably going to do this coming week and then send it over to Ike. And then, yeah. Sick. All right.
1: Zero, zero (laughs) ska in that song. Or did Ike put some ska in the beat?
0: Oh, zero ska nice. at all. Like it? What's what's the internet going to do?
2: <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. How was how was how was all these things that you got to do? You, I mean, Fishbone, We Are the Union. How have these how have these ventures been?
0: they've been awesome um they've been really good obviously i've been playing in Weird are the union for like eight years now which is kind of weird to think about but on top of that you know i've been doing Two network and jair shows but it really felt like this year but like also those run of shows in particular felt like things it's like you can finally notice things are growing sometimes when you're a band or an artist and you're touring you're like is my audience growing? You know, like every time you play a city, you get like five or 10, it feels like five or 10 new people and the room gets a little more full. But also when you're playing with different bands and stuff like that, it's really hard to tell, like, is it more full because more people listen to us? Or is it because this certain band we're actually playing with has brought their own crowd? And in some cases, it's like obvious, like, at the eve six we are the union tour you can tell who was in the room for we are the union and who was in the room for eve six so it's kind of really obvious but for some shows it's not as obvious (laughs) but with these runs of shows in particular it was very clear like people typically don't move to the opening band but people were moving at almost every show and like shouting the words like some there was one show i think it was seattle where i would have argued that people moved more during jare than fishbone which was really really wild like and if not more than as much you know like there were like the the Jer crowd really showed up in Seattle.
1: That's awesome.
2: Did did the Fishbone crowd? Uh, what did they think of you? I know because I know from experience. I love Fishbone, probably one of my favorite bands of all time. Tends to be an older crowd, um, right? Did, did were they were they grooving to you?
0: Uh, they definitely were. There were I mean like there's two songs that we played that were completely inspired by Fishbone. So I'm like, if you like their music, you're definitely gonna like Jer. Like there's no doubt about that. But um, there definitely was, like, kind of a lot of people that I felt, like, were indifferent or looked a little bothered. <laughs> um, and after <laughs> after getting an email, I don't know if you saw my tweet about that email that I received, um, where someone basically wrote a really angry email saying that I made them feel like they're racist and that they I ruined the vibe of the show for... We're talking about how Orange County used to be where the KKK was based out of and all of this stuff. And they were like, fishbone doesn't shove politics <laughs> down my throat. I'm like, Angelo flies a flag that says fuck racism. What are you I talking know. about? Like, <laughs> so there's definitely more people like after seeing that email, I was like, Oh, that probably explains how there was a lot of people at these shows where I felt were like, just like kind of like staring at me, like, <laughs> in a weird way i'm like they probably were a little a little upset but overall like there was a lot of fishbone fans coming up to the merch being like oh i i've never heard of you or i've never heard of anything that's going on and i talked to them about bad time records and they they seem really on board so that was really cool
2: yeah the photo adam took a photo of you and angelo that i i just thought was such an awesome photo yeah really captured both of your personalities
1: yeah i was i was glad to be able to snap that real quick
0: yeah, thank you for doing that because I would have forgotten to get a picture with Angel. Damn. <laughs> well, I was gonna get one at the on the last night, and he had left. So I'm like, well, I'm glad Adam took that picture because yeah. like he had left before I got the chance to.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it was weird. Like so the other thing. So you're you, the oh, the ahead. show that I saw uh, in San Francisco. Um, I mean, like I feel like our our crew represented pretty hard uh, for Jer. Um, but almost to the mm-hmm. point of like, there were definitely a couple people who were up front waiting for Fishbone to start. And they, they got immediately kind of won over by the chaos of you performing on the floor. Um, there was an older mm-hmm. guy off on one side. Uh, there was photographer Rob Coons, um, from the Bay area. He was there t- taking pictures. Um, some other random dude who saved your trombone from falling over and, and pro- probably getting dinged up. Um, but then there were people kind of standing, who had just kind of come in, still had their coats on. And and they were greeted by the chaos of everybody kind of dancing and taking over the front of the audience. And uh, they, they were having a hard time uh, finding their inner 16 year old. I felt like, yeah, huh. like they, they were, we were really pushing on them and I, I feel like they wanted to get into it, but like, you know, it was a, it was a weeknight. They just showed up. They're like, what the, I mean, cause like I saw a lot of smiles on people's faces, yeah. but also just oh. kind of like shocked.
0: Yeah. And I think like people, especially people like that might be the ones who don't normally ever go to shows. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like fishbone fans might not go to ska shows or go to a lot of shows a, a, like a lot of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So to them, people moving like that might be really, really weird. Like, why are people doing that? You know, like, yeah. It just kind of, like, blindsides them. But then there's also the fact that, like, a lot of people think of the opening band as, like, just a a Mm placeholder so people can, like, get in the room. Like, people think opening bands are disposable. So it it really blows people's minds in a lot of ways. And any way you can imagine that there's an opening band and, like, all of these people know their lyrics. And then, you know, it kind of puts them in a position of, like, how do I not know this? Like, yeah. you know, some, sometimes people take that and be like, oh, I've been missing out. Sometimes people take that and they're like, like, oh, like, am I am, am I irrelevant? You know, like they may take it as like a positive or a negative, like a positive, oh, I, I could be finding so much new stuff. There's new ska, that's incredible. I haven't heard this. Or some people might just get like, oh, like, I, I am I old? Like, oh no, like I'm, <laughs> I'm out of touch or whatever, you know? So, and like, they, that's two examples, but I feel like it can go many ways. So like, no one's ever expecting that type of sh- like crowd for an opening band. And it, it, I think it's always really telling. And I, I I love it. I love seeing people's faces being like, well, damn, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the other thing that was cool that happened this last year was that, um, your record got, um, you, you cracked into some publications that haven't really been, uh, you know, haven't really been going with the ska thing. Like you got, you didn't get a proper pr- pitchfork review. You got to like, Oh, you got to, these are albums you should have been listening to or something like that. Right.
0: Yeah. it was like, well, the records you might've missed this summer, top records you missed this summer or something like that.
2: Yeah. That puts you in the distinct category of being with me and Jeff Rosenstock for uh, pitchfork ska <laughs> coverage. The Holy Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> the holy yeah, right? trinity <laughs> um yeah it was a few other i know F- F- fantano did uh can't Buy it and a few others but uh did your record um gave you a great review so that was pretty cool to see i mean i don't know that like press is the most important thing in the world for the scene building but it certainly helps Paint a picture for people who are skeptical that there is real, legit interest,
0: yeah. And I think that stuff is more important than some people might want to believe. You know, a lot of people are always like, Why do you care so much about like this? Just do you. And I'm like, Well, the reason I care is because like Anthony Fantano puts me on the top 50 records from 2022, and my Spotify monthly listener count goes from you know 30,000 to 80,000, like 50,000 new people have listened to my music because of that. And like, you know, if you divide that up, that's like, that could be hundreds of tickets in each city. So now you have people who might've never heard of me going to my shows and because of them, they might be the make or break of a tour going from barely breaking even to everyone getting paid thousands of dollars. And like, as they listen more and engage more and like Fantano fans, I, I, from my experience, are a lot more open minded, probably because they're watching Anthony Fantano to find new music in the first place. But I've never had any negative uh, experiences from them. I've never had them be like, oh, fuck Ska, blah, blah, blah. Like, the comments are really nice on every video I've been mentioned. Like, no one's ever said, like, why are you talking about Ska? And I think that's really cool that his fans aren't responding in such a negative way, the way like other people's fans might if they covered my music. Um, but it makes a huge material like that. Like, that. that's called, I guess, I would call it social uh, capital. And that social capital uh transfers into monetary capital in many different ways.
2: Yeah. I, I noticed too, when, when he interviewed me for my book, I was, I was wondering um, when, when it got, when it went up on YouTube, it was just going to be fuck Scott, fuck Scott. And there was a few like, Oh, Scott sucks. Or sometimes some of them would just, they just like to make fun of him. Like they're just like in defense yeah. of melon or just like weird <laughs> things like that. But then a lot of people are like, Scott's actually pretty cool. I like Scott. This this is neat. Like like way more that than than like making fun of Ska. And I was like, oh this is this is kinda cool. <laughs> Not exactly what I expected, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think it's because the more these types of sources talk about it in like a genuine like way. And when I say genuine, I mean like when you read like the pitchfork and like listen to Anthony Fantano, you can tell that they weren't listening or reviewing it for the, the gimmick of Ska. You know, I feel like there's some people like, you know, some publisher will put out pick it up with the checkered trumpets the this the 90s is back and check out this wacky new thing you didn't expect you know like it seems very like clickbaity. like they really didn't pay attention to what was actually being said but when the case of like like pitchfork like i said and like these types of platforms you can tell that they sincerely gave it a chance the way they would any other music and so people see that it's sincere and people see that like Anthony Fantano, was not like gassing me up for no reason, trying to like, you know, be like, oh, like trust me, like he's not trying to convince anybody that I, they should listen because it's ska where some publications who might treat it as a gimmick, is tr- like the, the whole like title is like, trust me on this one, it's good. Anthony Fantano is just like, let's review it. I like this for these elements that are universal to any genre. That's why I like it. And like, I think because of that, you don't see a lot of people you know acting the way they do with other platforms.
2: Mhm. Yeah. So ska has been, you know, ska ska in the 90s has definitely been how people have defined the genre in the US for decades. And the idea of ska coming back has been gets discussed periodically and it got a whole lot of discussion in 2021. Um, the main things that got, got talking again was Jeff's album. And then my book, which came out like two weeks after Jeff's album. And then you were interviewed in a lot of those articles too. So a lot of those articles, I'm not sure how much they understood about the genre and and how much they understood about the concept of ska gaining momentum. So I kind of had mixed feelings about them. And I, of course I like the publicity for not just me, but for you and for everyone else. But I also c- am concerned about like, what is a, what is a real, what is real momentum look like that's sustainable and good. So now we're here in 2023. I see the bad time tour. Um, so many, like several shows sold out right away and I'm sure they're all going to eventually sell out. Uh, Supernova. They took off 2022, but 2023, they're going real hard, and I think they're representing ska exactly how it should be. They're saying we're taking bands from all over the world. We're we're having ska from every era, and we're having every type of ska, and that's how they're presenting ska, which is perfect. It's not um, back to the beach like 90s, you know, ska 90s yeah. sunny uh, California, which is fine. That's what that brand was. That's just not not what I'm not what I want <laughs> yeah. being pushed. I like I really like what Supernova is pushing and um you know Adam and I've been doing this podcast for 2 years now we're we're, we're starting our 3rd year. I feel like we're still gaining momentum and there's still like you know I feel like we're we're getting our hands on new guests that we've been trying to get and and all that stuff so I wanted your perspective on what you think's been happening and what's going to be happening this year. Does it feel like we're going in the right direction?
0: Yes, I would say everything is moving in the right direction. And this is kind of a, a moment that I realized after doing like all of the touring I was doing in the summer. And it it kind of got the idea in my head. But it, like after Fest, Fest like is what cemented into my brain like forever. Um, I feel like not only in ska, most music genres, I would say, is experiencing this. Um, everyone's trying to make digital the substitution for the real thing. Everyone wants to make like, the online communities like TikTok and and YouTube and Twitch and all of this stuff as like, that's the future. And I think that what we all realized last year with shows coming back and stuff is that all of that stuff is a tool to help us do the thing that makes like what we do special. And there's a lot of other genres that don't realize that. And I think that's something that ska is almost exclusively realizing. There's other genres and other musicians who aren't online and like they still do things like going on tour, booking shows, getting involved in their community. But then those are the bands that don't reach a lot of people outside of what is physically or who is physically in front of them. And so then you have the opposite. There's a lot of artists like, you know, TikTok musicians who blow up and they get millions of followers, but then they play a live show and they can't get anyone to show up to save their lives because they've curated this audience that doesn't really care about that part of the experience. And to me, that's like what makes Ska special. Like if you ask anyone who loves Ska, you're rarely gonna find someone, I'm talking about someone who like truly loves Ska, not like listens to three bands from the 90s. And of those three bands, it's like the same 15 songs regurgent. I'm talking about someone who like truly loves and dives into the genre. Those are people, like they have some sort of live show. They remember their first show, they can name you all of the bands they've seen live, like that going to live shows aspect is a part of it. And it's the same thing with like most punk, like pop, punk, emo, indie, like a lot of that stuff, the live experience is such a huge part of the experience of being in that subculture. And so I think that's like kind of what is happening. And now that there is like enough momentum where we can sustain like a full US tour, and we're reaching these markets and you know, it's it's such a package, no matter what part of the tour it is, where it's a lot of people who might have been skeptical about going to see us alone with other bands they don't know are like, okay, like, we're the Union Kill Lincoln and Bite, and like this other support band that hits hard, like, I have to go. And so I think that's like, for the first time, creating that uh, accessibility of a live environment to people all over the country. And, you know, of course, as this does well, future shows will only do better and better and better. So I think we finally kind of hit that point where, you know, like the ska bands never stopped as we all know, but it was financially like impossible to go on the road and to tour. And it's just impossible to do anything really as a band, like so many bands broke up because of it. And then, you know, 2018 up until like the pandemic, it was like, you know, we were all doing shows like we are the unit kill Lincoln cat we did the same tour. And in Boston, we played a 75 cap venue and it took weeks to sell it out. Our Boston show is in a venue that fits like, what, like 500 people, I think, or something around there, maybe even more. And it sold out, you know? So like, there's a clear difference in like the support that ska is getting right now. And that stuff was also like, it legitimizes these bands. A lot of the times people like, would say like the thing like, oh, it's like, no one cares, like y'all are doing your tours, but like, that's it. They're just like little small tours. And I'm like, we're outselling legacy bands. Like, you know, like our our New York show sold out a venue that was bigger than the venue less than Jake played in New York. And we sold it out faster than less than Jake. Like people don't want to admit it, but it's like ska has gotten to like newer ska bands have gotten to the point where it's, it's finally growing where it can become sustainable. And like, once it like, you know, the scale tips and it's finally like we know we can make money doing this. That's when we can just start hitting the road more and more. And like, the more people see us, the more it grows. And on top of that, the more it grows, the more we can put out music. The more we reach online because we have more content, and it's like it's like a snowball effect. And I feel like the snowball finally formed before it was just like little droplets going down the mountain. Now it's a snowball. So, I it's for me, it's really hard to see this momentum just like stopping for no reason, you know?
2: Yeah, and I think the other cool thing, similar to getting like positive reviews, is that people watch from the sidelines oh we're doing this tour it's sold right out so that's like what is what's going on what's going on over there with these ska bands yeah and i think that that might get some people to start checking these bands out and stuff that maybe they wouldn't have even considered doing before but yeah. i it, i mean the, the reality is people see things happening and they see interest and it creates interest i mean that's just human nature
0: yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like my favorite thing. I, I don't know if I talked about it last time, but the mere exposure effect. It's the psychological phenomenon that the more you're exposed to something, the more you'll accept it. And like that's the strategy that advertisers use on you. Like the reason why you see a Coca-Cola commercial, no one watches a commercial and immediately goes, Ah oh, yes, I'm gonna go buy Coca-Cola because I saw this commercial. Like no one no one's ever done that. But what people will do is they'll see it in commercials, they'll see it in movies, they'll see their favorite people drinking it. They'll they'll hear it on like in a song as a, as a lyric reference, and the more they are exposed to it, the more it's normalized to them. So when it comes down to the fact of I want to drink something, they're more inclined to trust Coca Cola because they they've been exposed to it so much. The same thing happens. Like I have a, there's a TikToker uh, named um, Stacey Ryan, I think I can't remember her last name honestly, but uh, Stacey she just got signed to a huge label and. Uh, One of my other friends was telling me that that he was on a plane and he noticed that her song was just playing on the Delta flight. And in fact, there's only two songs that play on Delta. It's her song and another person's song. So like this label put this song out and their way of promoting it is just – it's in grocery stores. It's on plane. Like places that you don't expect it but you're hearing it over and over and over again. So then the moment it is promoted and pushed by the label – people will see like Stacey Ryan or or I'm sorry if I'm getting her name wrong, but you'll see her name. (laughs) And and then everyone's like, Oh shit, this is really good. I don't know why, but I like this. It's because you've heard it like thousands (laughs) of times before that. That's the mere exposure effect, you know? And it's like the same thing can be said for what's happening. It's like now people, and I feel like this is why uh, you can, you can even see it on the sky Reddit. Like suddenly there's like, dozens of kill lincoln fans i'm like like six months ago y'all didn't give a shit about this band like why is it every thread everyone's bringing up kill lincoln now but i think it's gotten to the point where they've seen that name so many times over and over and over again they finally decided to give the band a chance you know or they finally decided to give We Are the union and Cat Fight a chance and so like the more that that happens again it's like the reason why people know or trust to listen to real big fish is because they've seen that band posted a million times you know So like when people, whether they listen to Scar or not, they're going to think of real big fish because again, the mere exposure effect, that's all they've been exposed to more than anything else. So yeah, I think with the more people discover these things and the more people talk about it, the more uh, people in the periphery of the circle are going to notice it, be more inclined to check it out. And then that circle grows. And then as they check it out, it exposes to more people and then it just keeps going. Like I said, it's like a snowball effect. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was interesting because in twenty twenty, when Bad Time was was gaining some momentum, with like really, I think ska Against Racism uh, followed by Bad Operation were sort of the, or even the Kill Incan Record, the Kill Incan Record, ska Against Racism, Bad Operation. I think those like one, two, three. um, It was fascinating to me to watch because there was no live show, and I've and I have such a close attachment to ska's growth and live show, Mm and I am like how is this happening? How, how are people discovering ska, discovering ska bands in the absence of live shows? It made no sense to me. (laughs) So now it's kind of like the delayed effect. Now we're actually getting the live show aspect and it's like how seemingly one of the nice things about,
1: about all of this is that I feel like the newer generation of bands compared to how it was, you know, back in the nineties are presenting themselves much better and, making better records like the records all sound really good whereas there's stuff in the 90s that came out that you know the recording quality is shit but everybody feels nostalgic (laughs) about the song because it was just like yeah and because it was just like sure oh the live show that's all that
2: matters we just got to get a record out or you know we got to capture the live sound but like bands now it's they can think beyond let's capture the live sound I mean, that's, that's my take on it.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And um, yeah, just like on top of that, I think there's a lot of people who necessarily may have either never gone to a show or gone to a ska show. And so like for them, people who don't go to shows, that's not a selling point for them. The selling point for them is, is the song good? Or is the, the, the person making the song good? I think that's something that matters a lot to younger people too, is like, they, don't, they want to support artists that you know, are like a, of a diverse background that, that they can relate to in that way, or an artist that has good morals and stands up for like, things that they believe in. I think that that is attracting like, a younger audience. Um, and then when those people go to shows, then they're like, oh, this is incredible. So it's like easier to like, hook them in because they already like, are exposed to this because they enjoy the artist. They're more inclined to go to the show. And then, of course, ska shows are just like incredible for like what they are but on top of that like newer ska bands are even more incredible because our scene is like more inclusive and we it's like more like looking out for each other you know so it's like the shows feel safer i've had a lot of friends who normally go to shows in other genres like pop punk emo hardcore specifically those three and they go to a ska show and every single time they're like everyone is having so much fun and also, this is the first time I didn't get assaulted at a show. Like, I'm just like, that's sad that you get assaulted at shows so much to the point you think it's normal and expected. And it took going to a Scott show for you to realize that that is not normal, or at least not normal at our shows. But like, because of that, people feel better about it and they're more inclined to like not only go, but like bring their friends and vouch for the quality of the shows.
1: Except for 2023 is going to be a yeah. crap killing at Scott I- shows. <laughs>
0: bring (laughs) bring back the crowd killing (laughs) Killing.
2: have you had any um fans come up to you at shows in the last year year and a half and have anything insightful to say about what the experience has been like or them getting into ska for the first time either the first time or first time in a long time
0: yeah there's definitely a lot of people that say they have discovered me uh through jeff rosenstock uh, there's a lot of people that said they discovered me through tiktok that's been the big with the fishbone tour made me realize like i get down about the fact that like it feels like tiktok is always suppressing my reach but every night there was at least a dozen in some cases like the seattle shows are probably like over 30 or 40 people being like i found you on tiktok and now i'm here like i've never been to a show before that's like the biggest like thing that people have told me throughout all of the touring and it's like Going to show like that's that's incredible, or like the people saying they just found me through Spotify. That's another one that I didn't really expect. People are like, "Yeah, you just came up on my recommended on Spotify, and I deep I deep dove your music, and now I'm here." So like, um, <laughs> kind of realizing that even though the internet sucks with like the suppression and the algorithms, there's still like people being reached and like dedicated fans being made that way. And like I said, it's a great tool to then um, help. I guess add to the live show experience and building that experience up because like there's another thing i have a lot of friends who play in other genres and they have no idea how playing shows live works and that's something that we've been doing for so long for us like oh book a show easy for some people that's the scariest thing in the world they have no idea where to start so we have the upper hand of like understanding how to book shows into tour and i think all of the touring that we did back when people weren't supporting us at the point they are now was like so super necessary for us to be able to do what we're doing now.
2: Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, so Chris and Scott punk international, the the Scott punk international festival and the late and the bands that Chris has been bringing on. That's been kind of interesting for me to watch too, because I feel like bad time has kind of been the label the bigger label that's sort of coming to define Ska, but in in this age, but Chris is kind of carving out something as well. And I think, you know, more people carving out like a segment of the scene, I think all works to build it up even more. Like it's rad how much Mike does for bad time, but the more he's completely alone, I think that's maybe not the best situation.
0: Yeah, I Um, agree with that for sure. And that's something that i said back when like you know in 2020 i was like what we need is like a second bad time we need another label that is willing to put the work that mike is putting in because you know like no there's no scene no other genre of music has one label that is basically the defining factor of what's going on like most scenes have multiple labels um of all sizes and that stuff is super important and so to see uh scott Book international like kind of do that and bring that uh, is it incredible to see but also it's like at the end of the day both mike and chris are both one human who has a, a limited amount of one resources themselves into actual energy that they can put out people are always like why doesn't mike put x y and z out And i'm like because mike runs everything out of his driveway and when you really think about it putting out like a record every two months when there's a lot of labels at that size that put out maybe like a fourth of that, you know? Like, most rec- most record labels put out a record within, like, a three- or four-month cycle. And the fact that, like, Mike is putting out all of these releases and doing all this stuff and, like, editing on his own, like, he quite physically can't take on anymore. So, like, we can't expect everybody to just get signed a bad time because it's it just can't happen. So it's, like, the fact that there was that initiative of being, like, we need to have another, uh, you know, another platform where other bands can really do the thing as well, Um, then that's awesome. But also unlike other genres, the ska scene is supportive of bands, whether they're on your label or not. And I think that's really cool. It's like, you know, a song will drop or a tour will announce and you'll see like a band that's not even on either Mm -hmm. label post about it. You know, it's like, you'll see like, you know, like half past two will post something and Catbite will like share it on their story. Like there's no incentive as a bad time band or for that band in general to share another band's post. But they do it because they just like the genre and they like the people, and because of that, it benefits everybody. It benefits the bands that aren't on a label. It benefits Bat Time. It benefits Scott Punk International. It benefits everyone who chooses to participate in the community.
2: Yeah, you know, you know why Mike is able to put out more records than some of these other labels. It's because (laughs) I wish I'm not
1: there nearly as much as (laughs) I should be. <laughs>
0: it, oh, you I mean, be. Oh, that's that's so in, in nice a world like where I
1: didn't feel like I needed to earn money or raise my children, I would, I would, I would definitely be packing those <laughs> records. A <lot>
2: more
1: often. <laughs> Honey, I, I'll be home in, I'll be home in three hours. I, I really so I enjoy it, honestly. Like, um, and it, not even like usually Mike's in his office, and I'll just be out there packing records. And sometimes I go on Instagram live, but sometimes I'll just be out there just doing it. And literally just looking at all of my friends' records as I'm packing them. Like, I mean, I think that's probably the strength of it is that Mike has curated great bands that, that I, I feel like all kind of like have a, a through line for like every time I pick up a record, like if I'm doing distro and it's like a bunch of different stuff, Every single record that I pick up, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm stoked on this. Like, and I'm happy to see the art every time. And then like, you know, three, like sometimes I recognize the names of the people on the labels who are buying, like the mailing labels who are buying these records. And it's exciting. It's like cool to see that like, Mm -hmm. we're all connected. It's great.
2: Yes. Um... So Supernova, what's your what's your take on Supernova? I said a whole bunch about Supernova. And you'll be at Supernova because uh, Watu's playing.
0: Yeah. But yeah, Supernova, I mean, I'm super stoked on it. I always thought Supernova was really dope. Um, I mean, they've been doing it for a few years. And I remember seeing the lineup for previous years. And I was like, oh, this is like really cool. Um, it's something that I wish I had like the means to go to or travel to in previous years. Um, but seeing the fact that the the lineups tend has been diversifying a lot more is incredible. And the fact that, like, you know, the, the, you can tell the festival, like you said, is it, it's someone who truly loves ska and loves ska for ska, you know, like not, not a certain type of ska, not, you know, being a purist about it or only uh, X, Y, or Z. But, like, they truly just, like, love the genre and want to, like, make sure that, people get to experience all different uh age ages and types and uh even around like like you said from around the world like different types of scott from around the world and that's like one of those things where if i had to tell someone like oh like how do like where should i start listening to scott i'm like just look at the supernova lineup and like just go listen through all those bands you know it's like one of those things it's like I typically tell people like you want to see like what everything is all about? Like if you if you truly have the means to travel to it, I'm like go to Supernova and like you'll experience a whole new world. Like I haven't even been yet, but it's like I can already tell by how it's curated and the people who have played and what people have told me. I'm like, I can already assure that it's going to be a great experience like that.
2: Yeah, so kind of what what I was talking about like before we started recording, one of the things I was saying um is that I feel like there's a sense that people are feel like there's an opportunity to take Scott to the next level. And so like supernova, I know that, uh, Tim, the, the, the co 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 founder, him and his wife, he quit his job. Like I think last year to, to go all in on supernova, uh, Mike quit his job for a bad time. Like a, a a a year ago, was it just a little over a year ago? So, that's that's the kind of interesting thing to me to see how people are like, okay, so I lo- not. it's not just that I love Ska and that I'm creating interesting things. But I feel like there's there's – people like Mike and Tim are seeing growth opportunity. They're not just seeing where things are at. They're seeing where things could be. So that's kind of a tell for me. I mean, they could be wrong and it won't grow to where they want it to be. But I also feel like these are both very calculated people yeah um and they're not they're not just lightly casually taking a risk um, curious your perspective also i mean you you've been making your living through music for a while, so this might be slightly different perspective for you, but maybe maybe what you see as the path forward for yourself is a little different now I'm not sure
0: yeah no i mean i i i definitely like agree like i there is a future i believe in like opportunity with that and i think that a lot of people get discouraged about music in general because they don't realize how like lucrative music is like people really think there's no money in that industry and i'm like it's one of the largest industries you know like everybody you know listens to music every like so many people go to shows and stuff like that there's so much money in that industry so to think that like there is no future for it is like kind of silly to me but also people think specifically ska um, and they're always like, oh, because the genre died and it struggled. And I'm like, it, there was a lot going on, but I would argue that there was just a lot of mistakes being made during all of that era of like things dying. Like and, like things were definitely harder, like post third wave because of, you know, the reputation ska had. And, you know, it was like really hard for bands to get by, especially with like the recession hitting like a few years, like after, you know, like that early 2000s and stuff like that. But going from, like, basically since I was in high school forward, like, I think there was a there was always kind of that window there, but bands were just doing a lot of wrong things, you know? Like, the way We Are The Union used to book tours and run shows was, like, not, like, a lucrative way, a, a smart, calculated way to do things. And, you know, it took years to get to this point, but it took years because we shifted towards doing things the right way and Knowing that there's ways to save money, knowing that there's ways to market correctly, and you know this is stuff that could have happened a long time ago, but the people who have the resources to do it just choose not to because they don't believe in ska, you know. And it's like it's the same way as if you don't believe in anything. Like, could you imagine if like you know if like uh, John Feldman never believed in Real Big Fish and didn't like go to like sign because like John Feldman saw what Real Big Fish could be and like help them get to that Mm -hmm. point where they got signed you know and like you can put that logic to anything like imagine like the person who signed my chemical romance if they didn't believe in like them and didn't see the future of that they didn't believe whoever signed paramore whoever signed all these bands and so i think that's what's happening it's like there's people who still to this day like you know um look at ska bands and believe there's nothing there and then there's people who do and Mike is one of those people who do. And there are other people, like I think Anthony Fantano is another person, like harping back is like someone who believes in it because out of all those people who write reviews for music, like people are not writing reviews on Ska and he's the literal only one with a platform that big because I, and he even said, it, I believe it was on on, on the episode he did for this. Like he will review stuff if he, if he thinks it's a good representation of like, you know, what the artist can, like, if it's a good entrance for other people to discover this artist and from there they can grow. And I think he even mentioned with We Are The Union. He he was like, I know that Reed can, like, Reed can get to another level. And like, even with artists he doesn't interview, he's like, there's definitely like, there's, he believes in the future of it. Like, he never says like, oh, this is bad. It's not going to, it's not going anywhere. Like, you know, the way a lot of other people of that stature will say about Scott. So You know, there's just people who believe in it, and people who are worth putting the resources into that. And typically, those people's intuition are right. And so, when they put those resources into it, like Mike has, whether it be financial resources or his time uh, and skills resources, you you invest into something like that and give it the means to grow, and it'll grow. Like none of these bands would be where they're at without the resources Mike invested.
2: Yeah, I I mean, like Fantana, like I think specifically, he said that he just. He didn't really connect with the Watu record, but he he didn't like want to trash it. And he felt like he wanted to see what next, what's coming next. Yeah. And I think that's a that's I mean, he even got a little embarrassed to say that on the episode. Like he didn't really want to, like, make that be his official statement. Yeah. Because he wasn't trying to say, like, that there was anything wrong with the record. It's just he didn't personally resonate with it. Yeah. And that he wanted to see what, you know, mm-hmm. what what else what else they got, you know? Yeah. And that's such a like interesting perspective for A, for his reputation of being a harsh critic, which is totally not true. And B, like just critics in general and, and music writers, where it's like, show me what you got. All right, that's it. Done. Yeah. Like um you when when did you go like all in like, okay, ska is gonna be my living from now on? <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was uh, April, 2018. I actually had ended up quitting my job to play, uh, to not play, but go to back to the beach. Um, I think we were the union was playing with uh, suicide machines the day before they played. I think that's like what had happened. And my job was kind of already getting annoyed that I kept taking like weekends off here and there. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I quit because I'm gonna teach all summer uh, drum corps and then I teach marching band after I teach drum corps. And between that and Scottsview Network, I should be able to survive. And then by the time I finish, because like marching band and drum corps, is like, they're both seasonal. So I don't really teach um, nearly as much or make as much money in like the teaching world from like November through May. And so during that time, it's like, I need to make sure I make enough money. But by the time marching season ended, I was making like three to four times the amount I was when marching season began. Uh, through Scott's network. So like, yeah. And like, that was like another thing. It's like me quitting my food service job is what allowed me to put the necessarily like time and energy that I needed to into Scott's network, which like was what made it pop off. You know, it's like, it's straight up work. Like I'll sit on my phone for two hours, just working on posts. I'll like record and then edit, you know, like for hours. Like most of the time my my work day is like 10 to 11 hours.
2: Yeah. I feel like if, If there's anyone that's sort of pre, or was like the predecessor, if you will, to what's happening now, I feel like it's you, like you were the first one to start really broadening the, the, the representation of Ska, Ska2 network videos were finding their way into like a lot of people's feeds who were not necessarily searching for Ska Mm -hmm. and not necessarily totally open to Ska either. Yeah. And uh so I kind of feel like that was like sort of the like the first <laughs> the first step, if you will, to like some of the some of the I eyes being open to like new artists, even if it was just beginning with cover videos.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's like a good way to hook people in, and that's like not why I did new Network, I just did it because I wanted to, and then people enjoyed it. But I definitely remembered seeing that and I'm just like, okay, like if I was someone and like did this, like, you know, like people have this expectation of ska sounding an X, Y, and Z way. So, like, what if I like covered this song? They necessarily didn't think like, like Mr. Brightside, the one I it just went, you know, kind of popped off on TikTok and Twitter this week, and and I just like reposted it, and people are always like, oh my god, like I didn't expect this to work this well, and I'm like, well, that's what happens when you take like the good elements and take a good song and arrange it well. You know, it's like a lot of the and like i've listened to people's criticism about the genre and most of the time it's criticism that isn't really even accurate of the genre in the first place so i'm like i don't even need to like show them anything wild from the genre i just need to show them like a cover that doesn't do the things that i already don't do (laughs) of a song they know and already (laughs) want to hear so and uh, sometimes people even listen like they'll, they'll listen out of spite like they're ready to like hate it and like that's a comment i get all the time too they're like I was, I thought I was going to hate this and I ended up loving it. And I'm like, congratulations. You (laughs) like Scott, like.
2: (laughs) How do you, do you think the online, online, the larger online scene has changed a little bit? You know, I think the used to be a pretty big cesspool of like Scott hatred. I think it's, there's a lot more of us on these sites now loving Scott and, kind of pushing back against some of the hatred, but there's still people just, just hating Scott just to hate Scott or to like get engagement talking about Finn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's like people just don't like, people don't think it's as cool to hate on things for no reason as it they used to be. And there's people who, whose sense of humor hasn't progressed in the last 10 years and no one has given them the memo And the only people, like, people will hype them up for it. But it's, like, they're not really reaching any quality people with that type of, like, you know, existence online. Um, And so, like, yeah, it's, like, there's a newer generation of people who are more supportive and just overall kinder. And those are the types of people who are just more willing to give things a chance. And, like, they're not going to humor people, like, you know, shitting on Ska just for the sake of shitting on it. I mean, if you're going to shit on it, be creative. Don't just recycle the same four jokes over and over again.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with like joking around about music and genres. It's just like, like usually like people joke around about genres from like a place of being a place of being a fan. And yeah, you, know, you, 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 you tease the, the, the ones you love kind of thing, but it's like a, a lot of the Scott hatred people are, they're not, they don't like it. They don't love it. And they have nothing interesting to say about it yeah and that's what like i think that's the thing that annoys us isn't like oh don't you dare make fun of Scott. It's more like you know have something to say about it that's actually funny yeah like shows insight into the genre
0: yeah it's like it's because they they try to make fun of it in a way like they don't understand it but like it's always based in like their jokes are always based in this like quote unquote ska culture that I honestly have really never really seen before like outside of being a 15 year old at a show that had just like you know playing a show with like other 15 year olds who had just found the genre you know people would be like oh everyone's wearing fedoras I'm like I have not seen a fedora at a ska show in like a decade like you're just so. I don't inactive. think
2: I don't know if I have.
0: Even like well, I, and I made that realization when we were on tour with Real Big Fish. I was like, "Huh, I'm three weeks in this tour, and I haven't seen a single fedora at a Real Big Fish show." You know, <laughs> and the people are always like, "Oh, Scott, people dress and look like this." I'm like, "Name a single Scott person who actually like I've never seen a Scott person dress in like this way that people. You know, it's like." people are like, oh, Ska people act this way or whatever. And I'm like, who are these Ska people you're talking about? You know, people will be like, oh, like Ska fans are, are, are like, <laughs> racist. And I'm like, literally, like, of all of the music scenes that I've been in, this is the literal least and last any signs of racism I've ever seen. Like, I've, <laughs> I've literally been called slurs at many other genre shows. Why aren't y'all, like, going after them for being racist, you know?
2: Yeah, It is funny like when I um when I did press for my book and some of the people that would take an interest in it who were not like you know maybe hadn't really listened to much ska or you know, in a while and it, you can kind of see their gears turning in their head as they're talking to me it's like it's like yeah it's kind of weird that people uh just kind of like dismiss the genre that has such a like history of like being anti-racist and all these political things like it's just acceptable like by these otherwise like liberal people who you know, don't put up with like people basically being politically incorrect and stuff. But for, for them, it's totally okay to trash on this anti-racist genre. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know exactly. Like these people should be thinking just a little deeper about, you know, what they're making mm-hmm. fun of and why they're making fun of it. So anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do you, so I mean, well, what's what do you, what's in store for you for the future, uh, specifically you, Jer? Uh, what do you got? What do you got in the works that you want to share? What what things do you hope to do that are maybe a little different?
0: Um, so I'm currently on a YouTube hiatus, which some people have noticed, and a lot of people, I would say most people, literally have not noticed that I haven't uploaded a single YouTube video in like two months. Uh, about to hit three.
1: You announced <laughs> so, that though.
0: Um, I'm still taking time to. I I I did, but you know, people <laughs> don't read on the internet, so the post got like five thousand likes and people are still like, Hey, you haven't uploaded in a while and I'm like, Yeah, you liked my post. Like, I checked. <laughs> so So yeah, um I'm gonna I wanna do and expand my channel to more than just covers. Um I don't think covers will ever like truly stop, but there's a lot of other video things i want to do like some ideas i had is like video essays um on things ska and just overall music related um one essay that in particular i want to do soon is like a break like the financial logistics of touring and break down the financial logistics of the fishbone tour as well as probably our upcoming run as well and that might be a follow-up video or something but like really kind of go into like, like how that works. Cause I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. And it would be really insightful slash make people realize why it's important to like show up for the opening band or like buy tickets in advance and all of those things. Um, Cause I think people just really don't get it. And also like why we're never going to play like Yakima, Washington. I'm sorry. We're not, we're not going out to, to Yakima, uh, go drive to Seattle. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, uh, stuff like that. Um I have like a bunch of songs I wrote for my high school ska band and I want to do a series that's like rewriting my high school ska songs. Um and I think that'll be like really cool and fun and kind of show people like a little history about me as a musician, but also like show how I've grown as a musician and like all of the things I've learned and like kind of like the things I found I was doing well and just it'll be overall fun and get people some new music and also just I'm working on a lot of new music um just in general for like many different things so i don't want to spoil too much about that but uh yeah that's, that's that's pretty much it
2: so you the hiatus was to sort of give yourself a chance to retool and do some new stuff
0: yeah cuz it's it's always such a pressure to just keep uploading you know like keep that schedule it's like that's what that was my whole 2022 is like before the before covid and even the first year of like the pandemic and being on lockdown and not t- touring and stuff, I, I would always be at least a month ahead. Like I would have an upload hit YouTube and then I have four more videos ready to go. And then there were, got to a point where there was like, I had 12 videos ready to go at one point. And it was like, yeah, I could do nothing for a week and I'm still going to be like two months ahead, which is dope. Um, and then it got to the point where it, I was barely keeping up with uploads. Like I was missing like certain weeks, you know, to go like every two weeks with the, to uploading. And then it got to a point where like, fast hit and I had no uploads really ready to go. And then in November I got a uh, strep throat and then I got a tonsil infection immediately after and I just couldn't play my horn for almost a month. Um, and it sucked and I was like, I could stress myself out by like trying to get caught up or I could just like take a hiatus. The the, and the algorithm hates when you're like uploading inconsistently, consistently. So I'm like, it'd be better for me to just not post at all and maybe like re-upload shorts some like or real or uh, tiktoks as shorts onto youtube like that's probably the the more viable option than it is to try to hop in and upload sporadically and drive myself you know wild trying to keep up with that so yeah it's taking this time to just like get things sorted uh get my like house all, all like fixed up and stuff get like my workspace reset and my brain reset and then I can like hop back into like creating a lot more content and stuff. Do you think you'll ever start
1: shooting videos in a different place in your house? Or do you think you're stuck with Um, with what you've got? Cause now, now you don't, you don't have any roommates anymore. I've thought
0: I've, yeah, I don't have any roommates. I've thought about Mm -hmm. doing it in my living room, but the only thing that, deters me from doing that is my living room is my space of sure i don't want to think about working (laughs) and if i like make that into that then it'll be like i truly have nowhere to go in this house because my house is small it's like the bedrooms and then it's the living room dining room and then the kitchen so it's like as far as places where i can just exist you know like my living room is like cozy and it's it's the only place where i i don't associate it like fully with like the stress of working i kind of want to keep it that way plus like my room is full of so much stuff Yeah, it looks like a good backdrop for what you're doing. Yeah, I do want to, like, try to find a way to make my videos more than just, you know, the simple cuts that I do. And there was a period, like, if you look at, I was, like, going through, like, showing um, Emily a bunch of old, old, like, like, Scott's Network videos. And I was, like, I used to really take the extra step and do, like, skits before videos. And I used to, like, do, you know, like, sometimes go film videos, like on the street or whatever, you know, like cool things like that. And part of why I don't do that anymore is because I've been so like barely keeping up. But also another part of it was like, Oh, like if, if I put work into a video, like the Goldfinger cover, reverse cover was the video that did it for me. Like I put like three weeks into that video and it initially Mm. it flopped. It did horribly. Now it's actually like my most consistently watched video just hit a hundred K my only video in the last three years to hit a hundred K views which is fun. And so, um, yeah, I think that I think that going forward, I want to try to start doing more than just the regular cuts, kind of somewhere between like an official music video and like um, a regular video. Like I've wanted to do Ocean Avenue and kind of like re- recreate the video, but go to Jacksonville where Ocean Avenue is and I'm just like running down <laughs> Ocean Avenue. Like that's an idea I've had for so long and it's like something I could easily do in one day. And I think it, because of the nature of like, I went to a place that people might think is really far when it's literally like an hour from me. Like that alone, I think with like a popular song, it would do really, really well. So
1: that'd be rad.
2: Is there anything else that's been either been happening the last year and a half or like to be happening that seems interesting to you in regards to Ska and the Ska scene that we have not yet discussed?
0: Um. I feel like I now I don't know anything that's like really confirmed or anything like that, but I really feel like there's like a moment of like writing on the wall. There's definitely like eyebrows being raised and stuff like that, and I feel like and this is mostly intuition. I'm not entirely sure because I don't know anything confirmed, but I feel like there's going to be something really big that happens with like a ska band at some point in the next like two years, like something huge Mm. is going to happen, like, like some something like people like no one's expecting like whether it's like a major label signing a band or like, I feel like there's, there's just too much like, there's too many bands that get on these huge labels that quite literally are not successful in that way. But they get these chances. And I'm like, yo, if we're like doing like a full US tour and selling it out and selling out rooms that fit like up to a 1000 people, like, at this point, if you're a major label and you're thinking there's not something special happening in ska, you're simply a dumbass. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, you're you're sleeping on gold, and obviously there's, like, no one here scooping up that gold and that investment, and any smart business person would take advantage of that from a capitalist standpoint alone, which is not what I agree with, but, like, just from that alone, like, if you're signing these bands that... Are doing one percent of what we're doing, then why aren't you like hopping on the fact, uh, hopping on the chance to sign literally any of these bands that are proving themselves time and time again? So I think it's just going to become obvious within this next year. Like it's obvious something special is happening, and I think once we get on the road, that's when it truly becomes obvious when people start to see the pictures and video and stuff like that so you know once that hits i think from then forward it's going to be like something big has to happen it's like uh, nobody
1: listens to ska and it's a dead genre you know,
0: you... <laughs> oh yeah you're right
2: <laughs> you know something that's totally left field that could happen is a like a latin pop artist could release like a cascas single that blows up like, yeah
0: um, i can definitely see that happening
2: like bad bunny had a um, had a ska song uh it wasn't one of what wasn't one of their best songs i think that was part of the problem with that one but it did well i mean yeah i you can imagine like another artist like that where it's like because that music's so much more part of the the culture in a in a more seamless way that'd be really that'd be really fascinating if one of those songs just blew up and it was just everywhere in the mainstream and dance clubs and stuff like that
0: yeah like, i can see cool. that happening and i can see even if it's not at that big of a level like because bad Bunny's huge but i could definitely see an artist that is kind of smaller but definitely like a big artist um in another respective scene kind of work with the ska band if they do it right and work with like a ska artist feature an artist, or just like simply produce like a really good ska song that doesn't sound like a, a real big fish knockoff like tongue-in-cheek type thing and just Mm -hmm. execute it super well and do it right, I can easily see a ska song blowing up from an unexpected place, you know, like a mid-sized to larger artist who maybe have like a couple hundred thousand monthly listeners on Spotify that normally does like pop punk or even just pop or like, you know, like the hyper pop, whatever it may be, like electronic and kind of doing something like that. Like I can see that avenue happening and no one's going to expect it. People are going to think it has to be like a band doing it the old fashioned way, you know?
2: Yeah, you you're right actually 100 gex. I mean, they haven't even released their album yet and they've already you know, released several ska songs or ska-ish songs. Yeah. Uh like they seem like they're going even further in that direction and that they're so popular. I mean, they're not exactly mainstream. They have like a weird like I don't know what you how you classify them. They have a big audience, but they're kind of in this odd bizarre categories yeah. at the same time because they're because they're so strange
0: yeah no but, um, absolutely
2: the big the the one thing though one of the big things happening this year that I'm uh, really anticipating is the, the release of the new Omnigon record
0: oh yes <laughs> <laughs> going no to cares.
2: blow the fuck up
0: absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I'll make you care yeah I've be- done it before <laughs> I'll do it again <laughs>
2: all righty anything else anyone wants to add to the conversation or are we are we out i think we're good yeah adam chair okay yeah okay i'm about to stop recording now